Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Muslim Bitcoiner podcast. So today, actually joined by my very own brother, Sal. And today we're going to be talking about Muslims adopting Bitcoin. This will be the first part of a series of podcast episodes. So we'll call this the Bitcoin Medjlis series. So uh, today we just kind of what we're going to talk about today is we'll talk about our education-based platform, Bitcoin Medjlis, and what the mission of that is. We'll also go over kind of the basics of the Bitcoin network, and we'll also talk about Bitcoin as sound money, and we'll also talk about some of the characteristics and properties of Bitcoin, and we'll also talk about the how that benefits the, the Muslim Ummah to adopt a Bitcoin standard. So I guess just to kind of start out, so this this before we start talking about Bitcoin Medjlis, I wanted to just just to kind of talk about the problem, and this is something that I've talked about on my Twitter account quite a bit, is that you know we've we've noticed as I've kind of started to learn about Bitcoin and as I've started to look online for resources from Muslims that have talked about Bitcoin, they there there's kind of this lack of dialogue that's that that's that's around bitcoin and it just seems like whenever bitcoin is mentioned it's always talked about very superficially and it's never really talked about from a sound money perspective so even whenever a scholar issues a fatwa calling bitcoin halal or haram it's never it's never done in a very holistic way and it just it's just kind of looked at it as an investment vehicle and not so much as a sound money and even even when talking about bitcoin it's never very clear whether muslims that are talking about it understand how the current fiat system operates with riba operating at its base layer so you know this is that was kind of the motivation for us starting and i, I would say like one example of this this kind of lack of dialogue happening is you know there was this podcast episode that was done by I think it was Islamic finance guru where they actually brought Nu'man Ali Khan and there was also Mufti Faraz Adam and there was another person on there. But the episode was about Bitcoin. And, you know, when I first saw this, when it came out, I was very excited because I was like, oh, wow, Nu'man Ali Khan is actually going to learn about Bitcoin. So, you know, I pulled up the, the episode and, uh, you know, Bitcoin is only talked about like the, for the first five, 10 minutes. And of course, you know, there's talk about blockchain technology, but then like the episode gets completely derailed and they end up talking about Web3 and NFTs and Metaverse. And it just was not the podcast episode I, I thought it was going to be. And I got the impression that Norman Ali Khan probably walked away from that more confused than when he initially started. And even in that podcast episode, they didn't really even talk about fiat and how Riva operates at its base layer. So, you know. That was just one example, but you know, when I watched that podcast episode and some some other things, that's kind of like when I talked to Sal and I was like, "Wow, uh, we have to start something of our own." And that's kind of like how we got to start Bitcoin Medjlis. Yep, and you know, after watching for a few years, you just kind of hope that okay, someone someone out there will you know s send the signal to say, "Okay, Muslims need to pay attention here," but it. Maybe it's maybe it's you and me <laughs> that have to do it. So inshallah, we'll be able to you know get get the message out to more Muslims to look more in depth into Bitcoin. And yeah, so to t talk a little bit about Bitcoin Medjlis, I mean, that this is the initiative where we kind of just want to provide a high signal uh, resource. So you know we have 
on on our website, bitcoinmedulus.org. And you know, medulus is the Arabic word for like uh, like uh, gathering or council. But really, we just kind of want it to be an initiative where it can be a place where Bitcoin is discussed without all the nonsense and confusion of uh, the rest of the cryptocurrency space. We don't need to get bogged down into Web3. We don't need to get lost in, in the weeds so much. And, you know, the, the other tokens that are in the cryptocurrency space are, are really inferior forms of money. And we'll get into that later. But just real quick about Bitcoin Medulus. It's a nonprofit organization, and we seek to educate Muslims about the halal case for Bitcoin and as a means of kind of escaping the riba based fiat currency systems of the world. Our mission is to provide educational resources and guidance to Muslims to adopt a Bitcoin standard. We seek to educate Muslim individuals, nonprofits, and businesses to utilize this new financial anti riba technology. And we believe that Bitcoin is the best monetary technology to escape the river-based systems. Uh, so inshallah, we, we seek to empower the Muslim with knowledge to escape the river-based financial system. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, this, this is kind of like the main motivation for this is that, you know, we're not like trying to build a product or anything. It's just that like, we noticed that the discourse around Bitcoin is just not adequate among Muslims and especially scholars. So this is just kind of a way to get out there and maybe, bring some more discussion into the topic of Bitcoin among Muslims. And that's why like we're kind of really heavily focused on the education aspect of it. So, And uh, we, we figured maybe this would be a good episode to just kind of go over the basics of what Bitcoin really is. Uh, so Bitcoin is a term that's kind of used to describe different things. There's kind of like the Bitcoin network, and then there's also the units that run on the Bitcoin network. So the Bitcoin network is a peer-to-peer -peer network where there's no central point of control. So everything is distributed where there's no one in control of it. It's kind of like collectively everyone is, is running it. And it's it's the peers on this network, and anyone can be a peer just using a regular computer, where the peers oversee an ever-growing ledger of transactions among all the users. And the built-in units of these transactions are Bitcoins and Satoshis. And to kind of expand on that a little bit, kind of think about how, you know, everyone's maybe familiar with the dollar having 100 cents. Bitcoin has 100 million Satoshis. So right off the bat, you can maybe already tell that Bitcoin uh, is, is better, better money because it's highly divisible. And not just that, but it's also way more portable way more uniform and way more verifiable. So it's very easy to, you know, be able to use your own computer to verify mathematically that what you indeed own is a Bitcoin without relying on any third parties. And the most important characteristic is how it is absolutely scarce. Um, it's, and the, 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 lim the limit is 21 million Bitcoins that are ever going to be created on the network. And you know, people might have a misunderstanding of like saying, oh, okay, well, you know, money, money's supposed to keep growing in size, but that's, that's kind of the, the issue with the fiat system is that there's no, no limit to it. And, you know, to keep it growing, it, there has to be an ever growing amount of debt as well. And, you know, from, from an Islamic standpoint, you know, to have a money system just based on, on debt, I mean, that's, that's not really compatible with what Muslims should be using. And, 
you know, maybe before Bitcoin, you could have made the case that um, uh, it was what we would call darura to have to use the system because there was no alternative. But now we have Bitcoin, so we're not gonna say that that's the case anymore. If if there's if there's a way for Muslims to act in a, in a way that's more in line with our religion, then we definitely need to explore that avenue, and uh, we need we need to be proactive about this kind of thing. And you know, most Muslims should be at the forefront of the Bitcoin revolution. It's not something where we should just take a back seat. We really should be studying it much, much more closely. Um, and so going back to Bitcoin about being sound money, scarce money, it, it's, uh, you know, people kind of get the impression, okay, Bitcoin can just be replicated easily, but that's actually not the case because Bitcoin is built on something called proof of work, where enormous amount of energy has to be expended in order to make Bitcoin. And so that's the thing that cannot be easily replicated. I mean, you can copy the code and, you know, make make a tweak here and there, and then you kind of just get a new altcoin. It doesn't have, I saw this tweet today about, you know, how uh, it's it's kind of like, you know, the, the rules of chess, you know, you can say, like, everyone's familiar with the rules of chess all over the world. And, you know, Bitcoin's a protocol. It's a, it's an internet protocol where there's a set of rules. And if you wanted to try to you know, play by a different set of rules, you might be able to convince, you know, a handful of people to join you in your new game, but that's not what the majority of people are, are familiar with. And, and that's why it's, you know, whenever you look at these other cryptocurrencies, they, they kind of lack the network effect that Bitcoin has. And they also lack the cumulative amount of proof of work that has gone into making all the Bitcoins. And that's kind of what you want in your money. You want money that has that requires a lot of work to create you don't want money that's easy to make but, you know that's that's another thing that we want to kind of establish right from the get-go cryptocurrencies in general are very easy to make there's well over twenty-five thousand different cryptocurrencies but of course everyone knows bitcoin as uh as as the one that's kind of not not to be confused with the rest um and uh yeah so other things that about Bitcoin that, you know, really are fascinating that, you know, Muslims should pay attention to is that Bitcoin transactions can are done in a peer to peer way. Like if you're using Bitcoin properly, you're able to do a transaction from yourself to anyone else on the Bitcoin network anywhere in the world and it can't be stopped and, and it can't be censored. So you're not relying on any bank. You're not relying on any company and you're not in a position where your transaction can be censored or your funds can be frozen. And that's really powerful. I mean, you know, we want Muslims to be in a position where, you know, Muslims are holding the keys to their own wealth. We, you know, you don't want to be in a situation where your, um, your wealth is kind of tied up in a bank and then, you know, you, you, you get notification. Okay. You think that you've done some suspicious transaction. So now we're going to freeze your account and we're going to shut down your account and you no longer have access to your money. And imagine if you're kind of put in that situation. That's a really terrible situation. But, you know, now, now if we have Bitcoin and if you have some Bitcoin, you're not so worried about that situation because you can say, well, if that happens. Well, I have Bitcoin and I can, my life can continue onward. Yeah. I think that's, that, you know, very, very attractive proposition for Muslims in that, you know, like you said, it's, you don't have to worry about any financial institutions like taking your Bitcoin away or even censoring a transaction that 
that that you want to do. And I think this is actually really powerful because, I mean, you know, if you want to like organize your, you know, the Muslim ummah, you know, it doesn't even have to be like at a global scale, even if you want to organize like your local community or whatever. And if it just doesn't so happen, and you're trying to accumulate that capital to make change, and if it just so happens to clash with the financial institutions that are in charge of moving around money, well, then you have the risk of being censored or you're ha- having your wealth be confiscated. So, you know, I think that property is, is, is extremely attractive for Muslims that actually want to do things and actually want to make change, you you kind of need a base layer of, you know, communicating or sending that value for it to be done in a permissionless or an uncensorable way. Absolutely. I'm you kind of, you know, you, uh, you can talk to Muslims all over the world and you can kind of get a sense of like, you know, the there, there, there's this, what's missing is kind of like the, the old days of Islam where kind of everyone, uh, you know, Islam was kind of the, the top dog and, you know, where the Islamic golden age. And that's when, you know, there was a, a, that, that was, you know, the real Renaissance maybe of, of the world. And that's, that's where a lot of uh, technological advancements were made. And, and the reason why that could be done is because it was, you know, you had a good money system that was based on gold where you could actually save for the future. Imagine if you're someone that, you know, you have savings that you can actually rely on unlike dollars could you know, plan for the future better. And this is kind of one of the things that I think Bitcoin can mm-hmm. enable where, you know, like the situation of the Muslims is probably not going to improve if we're still having to rely on these institutions of riba. I mean, you're, like imagine if you're trying to organize and you know if if you if you have an organization that gets you know big and successful but you're still kind of tied to the banking system i mean that's that's kind of like your central point of failure i mean like if if a government thinks you're getting too big i mean boom right there you know that's that's where you can target them and kind of you know stop any further progress but if you're on a bitcoin standard then that that proposition just became a whole lot harder because you can have a, a setup where Muslims all over the world, uh, you know, are are controlling their own little pockets of money, and then they're using that to interact with each other without relying on on banks. Yeah, and I think I think that's that's actually it's kind of hard to imagine what it would be like on a Bitcoin standard. But I mean, being able to send, you know, like your money globally, like because you know our the Muslim, I like to think of you know the Muslim Ummah is like a global institution. I mean, it's it's a global community. So you know, being able to like transact with each other seamlessly, like and frictionlessly, and you know, without permission, done in a peer to peer way. I mean, that's that's I feel like that's really powerful because you know, like you said, right now, if 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 we want to be able to organize ourselves, there's any meaningful way, there's always going to be riba that's tied at that base layer. But like Bitcoin allows you, like it gives you all of these benefits in that one, like we've already talked about, you don't, it's permissionless and it's uncensorable, but you know, it also gives you a way for you to actually control your, keep, keep the keys to your own wealth. So like, you know, if you were to keep money in a bank account, you don't actually own that money. It's not even really money in the bank account. It's, you know, you your uh your your imaginary fiat money could 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 get frozen at any time and you know we've already seen this happen with muslims muslim institutions getting debanked and you know it's just it just seems like this bitcoin thing is like a perfect way to get around that because like you said you don't actually have to rely on financial institutions to transact to 
facilitate those those transactions. And even if the bank account doesn't get frozen or shut down, you know, is it really a smart idea to have kind of your your organization's treasury in 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 a bank account where you know you're holding dollars and over the long term your dollars are going to be debased it's, they're going to be worth less in the future than they are today and with bitcoin you know this may be something that people you know when they hear about bitcoin they hear about how volatile it is and the prices up 10% and down 10% or up 30% and then down 40%, you know, it's, it can be scary if you're just kind of like looking at the daily charts or the weekly charts, even the monthly charts. And the thing that I think Muslims need to realize is that when it comes to Bitcoin, there has to be a long-term perspective that's taken here. Uh, you know, long-term savings are kind of the thing that uh, people need to focus on. You don't want, it's your long-term savings that you want to keep safe. Uh, from you know people being able to debase or to freeze to to confiscate from you, but with Bitcoin, you have the ability to save long term into the future. so if you kind of have you know a saving strategy where you're buying a little bit on a on a consistent basis, whether it's you know each day or each week or each month, you're buying that same amount consistently, then what you'll notice over a period of a few years and longer it's not going to be, you know, down in dollar terms, you know, you're, you're going to be up and you're going to have savings. And this is kind of something that maybe another aspect that people don't uh, think about or, or they conflate is that, you know, with Bitcoin being money, you can use Bitcoin as money and use it as a store of value to save for the future. And that no longer means that you have to become a part-time investor to try to figure out how to keep your your savings, like, you know, the wealth that you worked for from your job, you don't have to say, okay, I have to go put some in buying this company stock and, uh, or, or this basket of goods, you know, you could just, you know, work your job and then whatever amount that you want to save, you save it into Bitcoin because that's the amount that you want to have for your long-term future. And that, that's something that's like really powerful. And you only see it if you, you know, zoom out on the chart and look look at the price of bitcoin over over the last uh, you know 10 years and you you'll see this pattern where the price does grow if if you average it out you'll easily see that it continues to grow and you'll you'll be in the green when it comes to bitcoin if you hold it over the long term but you can't let the uh, short term price swings kind of phase you you get to a point where you're when when you become convinced that this is the anti-ribo solution, you know, you're not going to be so worried. Like, you know, you'll be able, you know, on day of judgment, you'll be able to say that, I, that, that you did your best to evade the, the ribo based system and all its evils and you used it, use something else to save for the future. Um, yeah. So uh, it's, it's just really powerful. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think that's like one of actually, actually the, really cool use cases about Bitcoin that a lot of people seem to overlook because, you know, especially when, when Muslims kind of like look at Bitcoin, they just kind of see like, okay, what does it do? And you have to explain to them, well, it's, it's being money. So like, you know, this, this new Bitcoin thing is, it's only been around for a few years and it's trying to, and it's, and it's, and it's trying to be money and it's trying to monetize from zero. So like, you know, imagine what like, 
how how that that would be i mean if you're having this thing that's just kind of emerged it's not going to have a steady price it's not going to have of course it's going to have volatility because people are buying and selling it so of course it's going to have these wild price swings because like no one actually you know it's just the market trying to figure out like what the actual price of this new thing is so like yes you are going to have some volatility in the short term but like i think coming out of the fiat system we're kind of already primed to look at things in the short term so like we look at like you know it coming 10 or 20 percent in a day or whatever and like we're like oh my god this thing is so volatile but like like you said if you look at the long term i mean you know bitcoin goes through its highs and its lows and that's just based off of people buying and selling things and also has to do with other things that are happening in the market or you know it's also tied with you know how much fiat is being pumped into the system and so many different factors and like of course there's going to be volatility it's not like the only way to make the the Bitcoin price stable in terms of dollars is if you were censoring people to not buy and sell it. Like that would be the only way to like fix that price. So, you know, I think that's, that's, that's a really good way to frame it whenever you're looking at the volatility is, you know, you have to look at it over the long term. And also like, like, like you said, I mean, to me, this just seems like the perfect asset to save in that's anti riba or I should say free from riba. And, you know, I, I think that's a worthy goal. Like, you know, you don't you don't advocate anyone getting into Bitcoin to trade it or, you know, like like trade in futures or anything like you just you work, you earn income and whatever that you don't use, you just save it in Bitcoin. And the thing about saving in Bitcoin is that, like we've said, that you actually control the keys to. And now what's nice that you're saving in Bitcoin as Muslims, what do we do when we save? We end up paying zakat on it. So that's good. You end up paying more zakat because you have more savings. And I feel like this Bitcoin thing is kind of, at least in our little own like Muslim Bitcoin or circle, it's kind of like, I feel like it's I don't want to say it's like reviving Zakat because like Zakat is already there, but you definitely see this push of like, all right, we're saving like heck in this Bitcoin thing. And, you know, we have to pay our Zakat on it, which is good because, you know, when you pay Zakat, you're purifying your wealth and you're also helping the needy as well. So I think just having shifting that culture coming out of the fiat system where you're constantly incentivized to spend and waste resources into this Bitcoin thing where you're incentivized to save, that's actually a good thing. You're deferring consumption. You're not consuming now so that you can consume later. And anything that you do save, you have to pay a cat on it, which is also good. So like, you know, it just has all of these benefits that I think perfectly like align itself with, with uh, Islamic principles. Uh, and, you know, getting, getting back to the, savings aspect i know there's maybe muslims who might be listening who will you know quickly want to say well, you're forgetting about gold you know well i mean obviously gold is the original sunnah money uh, and you know i think it's a great thing to to save in gold and my brother and i we have precious metals that we also save in and you know it's um it does have its fair share of drawbacks though. So, you know, I, I like to kind of look at it from the lens of technology and, you know, make, gold is kind of the, the old technology, you know, with gold being made into, into coins, that's kind of a primitive technology and, you know, it can get the, it can get the job done uh, if, if you're in a bind, but, you know, like wanting to be better to adopt something that has, uh, that's, that's like gold 2.0 where, you know, don't have the limitations of gold where 
things are like like okay you can save in it but can you really coordinate using gold you know you need you need centralized institutions to be able to you know scale gold to to be used on uh, on a wide basis over long distances and that kind of sets you up for the development of central banking all over again and so you know it kind of goes back to that saying you know the definition of being an idiot is is doing the same thing over again, but expecting different results. I think it's good to hold gold if you're holding it yourself. And, you know, you know, we don't want to kind of get in a situation where you haven't to trust others to hold your gold for you. Because, you know, you, again, that's your central point of failure is if you're having to trust others with your wealth. With Bitcoin, you hold the private keys yourself. And there's many ways of holding private keys. I mean, you, you can have it on your own computer, on your phone. You know, the smart way would be to have a a hardware wallet or, you know, having your keys stamped in a steel plate. You know, that's 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 maybe a good way to kind of make sure it's made really durable. And then if, if you need something fancier than that, you can have a multi-sig setup where there's multiple keys distributed over many different people in many different geographies. And so, you know, when it comes to coordination, you know, when it comes to coordinating Muslims all over the world, I really think Bitcoin is is definitely the way to go. I mean, just the ease at which you can kind of coordinate holding Bitcoin, transacting Bitcoin, it really kind of leaves, uh, you know, gold in the dust. Yeah, and made a really good point about like, you know, Muslims being being able to coordinate each other. I mean, it's like, it's pretty much impossible to do that in a trustless way using gold. I mean, gold kind of, you know, if you want to use it as a store of value, like it works, but you know, you have to keep in mind that you actually have to buy the metal and then you have to like store it somewhere very securely and, and, you know, has a bunch of other issues, but really, I mean, you can't really actually use it as a medium of exchange i mean you know if i want to buy a product or a service or something and especially if i'm buying it like from you know halfway across the world there's no way for me to like send that gold unless i introduce a third party to be able to transact on my behalf and you know with that introduction of third parties that's always end up going to lead to banking and you know with banking that's going to end up leave, lead, leading to fractional reserve banking and riba based fiat currency i mean that's exactly what happened and, you know, that was kind of like the main deficiency of gold is that people ended up giving up custody of their gold to another institution. And that's kind of like how the institutional usury that we find ourselves in today, that's kind of how it came about. And, you know, it's like gold is just good for holding. It's not even then it kind of sucks at that. But like you can't really actually transact with gold. So whenever like I hear people talk about gold as an alternative to Bitcoin, it's like. I mean, you can't even you can't even really compare the two because with Bitcoin, I can just send someone like less less than a penny's worth of Bitcoin, you know, halfway across the world. And I can, you know, settle that instantly over the lightning network. And like there's nothing like comparable to like, you know, gold or fiat or any other type of money. I mean, I think I think that's that's very powerful in that aspect. And uh, this is probably you discussed it in, in other episodes, but, you know, when we're able to raise funds during the month of Ramadan. That's exactly what we were able to do. We were, we coordinated with this Ugandan orphanage and we, you know, broadcast their, their, their address to, to, to everyone on Twitter saying, you know, let's, let's raise funds. And, you know, what we're going to, this Zakat is going to go straight to the orphanage. So 
publicized the Bitcoin address to to send Bitcoin to them. And over the course of a month, they they received, uh, I think it was like uh, like zero point two Bitcoin. Yeah, so over it's like the month. Yeah, so it was, it was like it's like over six thousand dollars or so. Yeah, yeah, we're worth of Bitcoin, and it's. But you know, so like, what was amazing is that the funds did not pass through us. You know, we we just publicized their Bitcoin address, and the funds went straight to them. Funds for like really tiny donations, bigger donations. It went straight to them without a middleman, and you know that that's an example of coordination happening in a global manner without having to rely on on any particular centralized institution like it's getting sent directly to the orphanage and that's not something that would have been possible to do with gold and you know it, it kind of goes back to you know gold is old technology i mean sometimes we do need old technology but when it comes to coordinating you know economic value on a global basis you know bitcoin does it a 10,000 times better than gold and it does it a thousand times better than fiat currency because we're not we're not trusting banks to to coordinate this. I mean, you hear stories all the time about how you know charities can can lose access to banking, and then that just leads to you know the funds not getting to where it's needed over the world. But with Bitcoin, yeah. it goes straight to where it's needed. Yeah, I, that's like that's one of that's was so exciting when we did that during the month of Ramadan because it like it really just you know it's just a small use case and you know just just like this small thing that we did but like you can kind of like like we have a blog post written on bitcoin medulus talking about this event where we raised sats for this orphanage in uganda but it's just really powerful because it just kind of shows that like the ability or this innate desire for muslims to want to coordinate each other through the institution of zakat is already there but like but but the thing is, is that we have this fiat system that makes it really hard to coordinate zakats. And I mean, you know, if you think about like the way in which Muslims kind of coordinate economic value globally, I mean, zakats is kind of like that bedrock that allows Muslims to like be able to help each other out. Like that's why it's a pillar of Islam. And I see Bitcoin as a way to kind of like, like actually like, you know, revive that institution of zakat and, and like to be able to do it on a global scale. I mean, we just did this for some orphanage in, in, in Uganda and, you know, we're, we're still, that, that wasn't just like a one-off thing. Like we, as Bitcoin Medjilis, we are still supporting this orphanage. We've kind of, we've kind of adopted the orphans of the orphanage and we're, we've been supporting them on a regular basis. Alhamdulillah. And also we have a link to the donation address. If you want to go visit us at Bitcoin, Bitcoin So if you want to actually participate in this, we even have a guide on, on there where if you want to get started with Bitcoin, especially on the lightning network, we have a very handy guide. That's a very idiot proof guide on like just how to start transacting Bitcoin over the lightning network. And there's even a little link in there that will say like, if you want some sats, we will send you sats that you can send to them. So you can just see how instantaneous and how awesome this, this lightning network technology is, which we could talk about this later. We we'll have to talk about it now, but the lightning network is just this second layer that's built on top of Bitcoin to help facilitate instant, instant payments over the Bitcoin network. So it's you know be, being able to kind of coordinate that value among muslims globally i think is so powerful and i really do think that like zakat institutions are going to be paying more attention to this technology of bitcoin in that aspect 
Yeah, like when it comes to, uh, you know, Bitcoin being kind of a, um, a base protocol network for, for money, it, other layers of, you know, payments can be built on top of it. And, you know, Lightning is just amazing because, you know, well, when it comes to the speed, it's it's instantaneous. And then when it comes to the cost, it's it's really fractions of a penny to, you know, to send value all over the world to everyone, anyone else on, on the lightning network. And, you know, it's, it's quite amazing. And, you know, people, you'll hear this, you know, whenever you're learning about Bitcoin, you'll inevitably come across, okay, well, there's Bitcoin, then there's all these other coins too. And other coins that part of their uh, marketing propaganda is how they're better than Bitcoin because they, 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 they're faster and cheaper, but, you know, with lightning network, it, already faster and cheaper than than those other coins so it's don't don't that's something that we want to educate people on is don't get distracted by by the nonsense of of altcoins because you know it's we already have like a, a robust payment network and it's also using the world's best money which is bitcoin if if it's you know if you're looking at an altcoin that's really cheap and fast to send it's probably built on a different algorithm that's not based on proof of work, which means it's something that's easy to replicate. And when it comes to comparing these networks that don't have proof of work, I mean, it's, those are kind of systems that can be easily gamed by, you know, malicious actors and the people that, you know, for example, gave themselves a huge allocations of the, of the coins initially you know that they're they're not fairly distributed, so you have people that have gotten unfair unfairly wealthy. Whereas when it comes to Bitcoin, it was a completely fair launch. Uh, when Satoshi Nakamoto uh, launched Bitcoin, it was it was a completely fair launch. He launched it in a way where he announced it to mailing list of cypherpunks, who which would have been you know the people that would have been primarily kind of interested in developing in e money and you know, he didn't mine anything when, when Bitcoin was released. So like, like, well, he didn't mine without competition. There was always other people there at the beginning that were also mining with Satoshi. So Satoshi didn't give himself special allocation of coins, all the coins that Satoshi has, like he, he had to mine himself. He had to put his computers to work in order to get hold of that, of that Bitcoin. Whereas when you look at all these altcoin systems, they're, they're, insiders that just kind of print themselves huge allocations of money and imagine you know you're 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 someone getting excited about these altcoins and like oh wow there's so much you know quote unquote utility to these altcoins and then they they try to pump these altcoins and they'll tell their friends and family about these altcoins but you know what are you doing what's the benefit of doing that when you know insiders gave themselves so much of the initial supply um it only to you know inevitably you know dump on everyone else that's holding that coin because they gave it themselves that coin for 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 nothing like it they just printed it out of nowhere yeah. there's no no energy that went into it um, yeah i think i think like you know when whenever there's a you know company or a startup that wants to like try to recreate bitcoin i mean like one you can't recreate digital scarcity one but like even if you do like try to do that you necessarily have to kind of manage the initial production and the distribution of it and 
because you know like people know about it like when when bitcoin like first came about it didn't even have like a dollar price or anything it was just some nerds on a mailing list that were just like give you know mining and trading these coins with each other like you know it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like uh you know wasn't that there was like a startup or something that was like profiting off of this. It was like you said, it was a fair distrib a fair launch and a fair distribution. And yeah, also made it kind of a unique situation that cannot be replicated is that, you know, the Bitcoins did not have any value at that time. You know, the, the people were just kind of like, you know, mining for fun and sending these coins to each other because it was, you know, quite the novel thing to be able to kind of do, do that kind of thing. And, but people had no clue that, you know, uh, Bitcoin was going to be become valuable in the future. And so that allowed a, a distribution of like coins to just go into many hands in, in a fair way. I mean, you, you had plenty of faucets in the early days where people were able to get, you know, coins distributed to them by people who were, you know, being very generous and, and people were, you know, trading these things, you know, for under a dollar. So that kind of, you know, led to distribution. And then when it, People, you know, maybe complain about wealth in Bitcoin being too concentrated because there's not that many people that are using Bitcoin today. I mean, well, I I think there's quite a few, like there's millions and millions of people that are using Bitcoin. But, you know, an altcoin is not going to be the solution to fair distribution because these altcoins always have the less fair distribution of their coins. So if if the goal is to kind of get a more fair distribution you're not going to get it with with altcoins it's 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 really it's really bitcoin or nothing i mean like you, the, the way the way we see it is you know it's 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 bitcoin versus the dollar at this point and you know we we feel that you know when it when it comes to what what aligns islamically it's really bitcoin that that does cuz it's not based on debt it's not based on any usury it's 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 just it's it's just money that does not require it. Yeah, I think you know you you talked about it earlier. You know, like a lot of these altcoiners will you know focus so much on different utilities, like you know, like generating yield, which ironically is not even a utility by definition. But like you know, they'll try to like focus on on all of these different utilities, but they completely miss like what like the problem that Bitcoin is trying to solve, which is the central control and the manipulation of money. And so that's what Bitcoin is trying to be, is just like an actual money. And I feel like that's just just it's just kind of like lost on a lot of people that are into like that crypto space. I mean, I had, I had this conversation with someone that was like into, into Web3 and, you know, like it's just like we speak like really different Bitcoiners and altcoiners speak like such different languages. Like I was trying to explain to this guy, like what time preference was. And he didn't even know like what Austrian economics is because like, you know, they focus so much on the technical aspect of it and don't even bother like focusing on like what the economic issue is or like what the problem in money actually is. And that's, you know, they don't actually look at Bitcoin as trying to solve from that aspect. And, you know, like there's, there's no point in trying to, you know, build a, you know, global financial system on any of these other altcoins because it just doesn't have any liquidity. And, you know, like, like that's Bitcoin trying to be money. Like it has its value emerging, like within it, like it's not, there's not, whenever you're trying to like bootstrap all of these utilities on an altcoin, it's just like, you're kind of admitting that, oh, this thing is worthless unless we put these other utilities and tack it on to this, whatever altcoin project is. So I think like from that aspect, you realize that like, Bitcoin is trying to be money and that's extremely 
it's an extremely valuable utility. Yeah, there's when when it comes to tokens, there's 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 not uh, anything with more utility that can be achieved than other than being money. And you know, Bitcoin has <laughs> there there is no second best when it comes to to what's 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 a good form of money. And it really is Bitcoin that I think you know is 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 going to be the money inshallah. You know we we kind of want to see a change in the world. You know we we both have children and we want them to to live in a future where you know they're they're not shackled down by the riba system. You know and you know when it's something that kind of uh, people maybe don't realize is you know they they that they'll be proud of the fact that they're not partaking in any any riba they're not taking out loans and things like that and they 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 say look i'm just holding cash and i'm not partaking in any riba however it still props up the riba based system when you're holding cash and people have to ask themselves okay when you're holding cash like like pull out the cash from your wallet and and see what it says what what is a dollar a dollar it says on there it's a federal reserve note and so that should you know beg the question okay what's what does the federal reserve hold in reserves and if you take a look study it it's something that they advertise what they hold in reserve what they hold in reserves uh, are bonds and that's that's kind of the basis of how the dollar works your 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 dollar is is packed up by bonds and you know if muslims wouldn't put their wealth investing into bonds i don't see how it's you know much different to be holding dollars that you know are ultimately also packed by bonds so you know you know realistically you know we're still going to be you know stuck in in some aspect of having to use fiat for everyday things but just imagine how much power you take away from the fiat system when you have your savings in in an alternative system that's outside of the fiat rails that's outside of the control of the banking system and you have full control of it now. And, you know, that, that's kind of how things should be, you know, that, that, that is what leads to fairer markets. That's what leads to freer trade. Then that is what leads to, you know, freer economic coordination among Muslims. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, I think the way I like to frame it to Muslims is that, you know, there's this riba problem that's in fiat and the only solution realistically is Bitcoin. I just don't see it. It's not going to be any other altcoin. It's not going to be gold. It's not going to be any other thing. We have to completely, I think, we have to try our best to move off of this RIBA-based system, uh, this fiat system where RIBA is at the base layer of this protocol to move off of, and you know, we need to move off of it into this 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 Bitcoin protocol where there's there's no RIBA at the base layer and it even exhibits these anti-RIBA properties which we can get into in a future episode inshallah but I think this 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 was a really good first episode to just kind of like highlight like what our views are when we kind of started Bitcoin Medjlis and what kind of like the Bitcoin only approach is and like and and that what that means going forward for muslims adopting a bitcoin standard so inshallah we'll we'll continue this on another episode but for 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 right now we'll see you until next time inshallah all right assalamu alaikum everybody all right assalamu alaikum